Nine rounds of golf for $90? Yep. The Minnesota Golf Passport is back and available now at garagelogic.com. As a golf passport card holder, you're entitled to nine 18 whole rounds of golf for just one low price of $90. Supplies are limited, so just go to garagelogic.com and type keyword passport. A $300 golf value for just 90 bucks. Now you got it. GarageLogic.com. Keyword passport. Hey. It's just a hell of a staff, uh, isn't it? Roll yeah, it. good, Kenny. Good. <laughs> for Loney's Hardware and Garden Stores, God only knows why, brings you GarageLogic podcast number 1130, August 10th, 2023. As I mentioned yesterday, in the midst of a 1947 warm spell, it was 101 degrees on this day in 1947, and 46 degrees was the low on this day in 1946. The swimming season is uh, got a lot of time left. There's still time to get a hold of Aquaside, and get the products to keep your swimming beach free of weeds and unwanted vegetation. The kids will be happier. You'll be happier. Plus, you'll be able to see them. You you know you won't they won't be hiding behind weeds and stuff. You'll right. be able to see them. So take your cell phone down to the lake or your swimming hole and give Aquaside a call. The products are made in White Bear. They work quickly. They're safe, and they're easy to use. Uh, call Aquaside and tell them what you think the problem is, and they'll help you. 1-800-328-9350 or go to Aquaside.com. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake... It's Garage Logic with Chris Reavers manning Technology Corner, Kenny Olson from the Krabby Coffee Shop, John Height in the newsroom, and of course, the rookie. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and the keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Sushir. I have an Eisenhower quote. Well, I did. Good old Ike. Before we begin, a timeless message from Ike, who said this on March 6, 1956. On this day. See if you can apply it to uh, today's world. If a political party does not have its foundation in the determination to advance a cause that is right and moral, then it is not a political party. It is merely a conspiracy to seize power. Woo! Mm-hmm. Let me repeat it. Are you plugging that into 2023? Well, I think I can plug it into the entire political situation today on both parties. Yes. Yeah, globally. If a political party does not have its foundation in the determination to advance a cause that is right and that is moral, then it is not a political party. It is merely a conspiracy to seize power. Wow. You know, there was more. I I have to read more about Dwight D. Eisenhower. There was more to him than, than I... A lot going on there. ...than I know. He, he forecasted a lot of what's happening now. I think he was the inventor of the whole idea of the military-industrial complex. Yeah. yeah. The CIA, all of that. Um, but couldn't... Either party apply that to the other party at this point, which is the the, which which is why I said I could apply this to both parties. Oh, you said that. I'm yeah. sorry, I was yeah. so busy. Well, what to Dwight is saying is listening to the, the wave. Where's the party? Right. 
Say, I've advised all GLers, and I'll tell you now, to do yourself a favor and read Mary Devine's piece on the front page of today's Pioneer Press. She uh, did some excellent reporting. She saw an obit in the Sunday Pioneer Press just this past Sunday of a fellow named Brian Eldridge, 76, who died. And the obit was provided by uh, Brian's very candid brother, who I believe was the only other surviving family member in that family. And basically, uh, the brother who provided the obit said, uh, he, I wish I had done more, but this guy spent his entire life alone. Well, he not only spent his entire life alone... But the story uh, is a cut above these kinds of stories. These kinds of stories make newspapers. Uh, Mary Devine happens to be a very good reporter. And so this this is a a cut above all that. He not only died alone, he was so thoroughly off the grid, either intentionally or unintentionally, that he had no friends, no neighbors, no employer, no loved ones, no nothing. Nothing. No one knew him. No one knew he died. I'm reading it right now. I'm- he was thought to have been dead for at least four days. His brother did call him from Oregon a couple of times, and when he finally didn't get an answer, he called the police, and they did the check, and there he was. He was a Central High School graduate, 1965. And... We'll leave it at that. Mary's going to join us on today's show. I, I, I want to talk to her because this fellow uh, redefines being off the grid. Yeah. And, and mental illness uh, is not necessarily the full weight of this story. And if it is, what I would not want to talk to Mary about is did he become mentally ill as a result of his life or was he born mentally ill? Maybe I'm on the wrong track, but my point is he was a functioning human being and he had jobs. He just didn't have a life. Well, a life as you define it or I define it. Right, right. It's was, really sad. I've got a lump in my throat reading this. Was he like the uh, hero of the Krabby Coffee Shop, the great Russian lady who felt every day on Earth was a punishment from God? I mean, was he upset with his life? Well, no. we're asking questions that only Mary could probably answer. Well, and I can already answer your question. He would not be analogous to the old woman in Russia because the old woman in Russia spoke out and vocal. ended yeah. up in the newspaper. Oh. Did you say 65? 76. No, he... he 1965 he, graduate of Central High School. Oh, he graduated. Because in the winter of 65, if I remember right, we were we were hungry, just barely alive. <laughs> he called himself a collector, and they, she lists a whole bunch of items here, and cans of Billy Beer. Mm-hmm. He collected cans of Billy Beer. Mm-hmm. What a funny thing to collect. I wonder what they're worth now. Probably a lot, because there probably aren't many out there. Yeah, I bet they're not worth no. that much. I bet they're not worth that much. I have a good point, or I don't. Emailers have a, GLers have a great point on the thefts of these Hyundais and uh, 
uh, Kia automobiles. Okay. Because mm-hmm. we learned yesterday that they're not even in the top 10 of most stolen cars. But where you get closer to the country's tallest buildings, they appear to be the majority of stolen cars. And a couple of emailers have a great point. Why did the creator of the TikTok video that explicitly instructs you how to steal a Hyundai and Kia, why is that person not responsible for that TikTok video? Great question. What does that fall under, the First Amendment? Uh, That's exactly where I was going. Yeah. 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 And and talk of banning that frightens me. Well, then... Even though I hate it. (laughs) You know Well, then why not videos on how to properly rob a bank they they exist they, they probably yeah, do uh, say they probably do yeah yeah actually i think there's shows on on the vice channel really yeah. that cover that yeah if i remember right and there's videos and shows how to build bombs you know that kind of yeah thing. What, what was the old book we were so afraid of in the 70s the anarchist uh, cookbook yeah, is cookbook. that right yep mm-hmm mm-hmm Scott Mature in Montana. It's not that they are stolen the most. It's because of a viral TikTok video showing how easy they are to steal. All right. And then uh, who is this? This is say this is someone who said, "Don't use my name." I was listening to yesterday's podcast regarding the stolen cars and wanted to share what I witnessed Monday morning. At 7.55 a.m., I was pulling into the employee parking lot outside the clinic I work at in St. Louis Park. As I got out, I noticed a car full of black teens in the next row over. I believe that identifying them as black teens is, this is me now, I believe that identifying them as black teens is germane to this email. So that's why I mentioned it. Hmm. I was walking towards my building and a young male got out of the car. He walked over to a parked white Kia. At this point, I was across the street watching him. He stood there for several seconds. I was asking myself, is this kid going to steal this car? Really? It's a Monday morning. It's light out. People are arriving at work. I heard the glass smash. He crawled into the back seat, and probably within 15 seconds, he was driving off following the others. It was surreal. The entire event probably took three minutes. Apparently, there were three other stolen vehicles that morning within a block or two. Unfortunately, the stolen car belonged to one of my co-workers. It was the first day in months that she didn't have her steering wheel lock on. Her heavily damaged vehicle was recovered 24 hours later in northeast Minneapolis. Hmm. Did he have an obligation there, Such? It's a she. Oh, she. It does make you wonder, uh, unnamed person who you don't want me to name, why didn't you get out your cell phone and hit 911? Uh, Reavers, were you listening to the whole thing? I was. What would you Uh, have done? Probably called. You wouldn't have walked over there? No, I have. Not if there's a group of them. They're outnumbered. And it's it's always... uh, What's the situation, right? And and that in that specific case, no, I would have probably made a call, but I would not have approached. Because here's well, the somebody's thing: got, somebody's got to approach. No kidding. We we, we got to stop this BS. I get, I get that, and I I'm with you, Kenny. But the problem is, there is no fear with g- groups like that in 2023. I mean, honestly, they have no regard for anybody. They else. don't have they don't have a mortgage and two kids and a wife. Correct. And a town ball game. To and they don't right. care that you do. No, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, God, I just hate the passive standby, though, and watch it happen. 
um, attitude. But I get. I, yep. I understand. I'm with you. I'm with you completely. But it's just it's just a different world now. It just goes against everything that I'm made of. You know, there's a new study out now. Research. Coffee's good for you. The uh, <laughs> the days of the affordable used car are over. Oh, my word. Oh. Used cars now cost, are you ready? 47.7% more than they did in 2019. Oof. You want to buy a Volkswagen? Jetta? No, you got a hell of a deal on that. <laughs> a recent study from something called IC Cars shows the average used car is 47.7. I'm going to just let me call it 48%. Do that. 48% right more expensive than it was before the pandemic. For example, researchers said back in 2019, a used Honda Civic was selling for an average of $16,577. In 2023, researchers said the same used Honda Civic is now selling for $24,301. Wow. But the number that really got us, according to the study, was the mileage on these cars. You're getting an average 20% more mileage on these cars, so you're paying more for cars that are further used up, IC Cars executive analyst Carl Brower said. Car analysts said these higher prices are hitting buyers on the lower end of the market, especially hard. According to the study, in 2019, nearly half of all used cars were less than 20 grand. Now, only 12% of used cars are selling for less than 20 grand, and the number is even lower in the Twin Cities, with 9% of cars, uh, used cars selling at that price point. The $100 winner beater went from $100 up to 1000 and then COVID hit, and now it's 5000 You know, when I was beater. a younger curmudgeon... I distinctly remember ads uh, from the dealers up and uh, back then. There were dealers up and down University Avenue, for example, Midway Chevrolet, right. where they said fishing cars on yeah. sale. They yep. called Econom them fishing cars. What is that? Uh, that's uh, back there over in the economy lot. And they would put uh, those in the back, back of the there. lot. You could go yep. buy a, a lot. Ford station wagon, Okay. Yep. and it ran... And they call it a fishing car because they assumed you were going to buy it and just take it fishing and throw your fish back there. Okay. Uh, she's a country squire. She's got the wood paneling yeah. and the reverse facing <laughs> yeah. seat. It smells a little like minnows in there, but then yeah. open the window. Oh. It'll be fine. Well, those cars don't exist anymore. No, no. Now, I'm keenly interested in this. Why don't they? Well, maybe it's a different description. Because like Kenny was saying, we have the baseball ride because she won't allow any of our crap to go in in, in her vehicle. Right, or the hockey car. Or the hockey you know, car, oh, right, exactly. Know, that's right. That's right smells like gear. Well, or go back to what Kenny said earlier, uh, and I owned a number of them, winter beaters. Yeah. Yeah. You could go yeah. by yourself in August. You could go up and down University Avenue. You could buy a winter beater, which was the same thing as a fishing car. Hmm. Where are they? Here's what I've been looking at, and I found them. They're more expensive than they sh than I wish they were, but they're still ob obtainable. Um, and my search engine on uh, Facebook Marketplace is Chevy square body trucks. 
Here's a 76 Chevy Silverado for two grand. Here's one for 1500, one for 1800. Now, you know, some of these are not fully reliable. And 76, the damn thing's nearly 50 years old. <laughs> right. Right. But it's carbureted. Yeah. And it's got no computers. And when the uh, Russians drop uh, the electronic magnetic pulse, <laughs> I'm still driving around. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I took it there right away. You really did. Mm -hmm. okay. You know, just to uh, make your point, Joe, I went to 1980 on newspapers.com. Yeah. Uh, in 1980, you could get uh, here's a Granada two door Ford for $3,000. Uh, Torino wagon. I don't remember wagons, Torinos. But, I do. Uh, Seventeen eighty-eight for a five-year-old car, one thousand seven hundred eighty-eight dollars. Granted, money wasn't worth, you know, but, but still, geez, that's pretty good for a five-year-old car. A five-year-old car, a not car that's now grand. collectible for Pete's sake. Wow. <laughs> yeah, how about a, a topper, a pickup truck with a topper, two thousand four hundred eighty-eight dollars, five years old. Well, as recently as Labor Day to. No, I'm sorry. As recently as Memorial Day of two thousand three. Which is now exactly what twenty years ago? Yes, sir. So it's been twenty. I bought a I bought a motorcycle off the out of the one ads in the Minneapolis paper on Memorial Day weekend of two thousand three. There were three columns of motorcycles. Not to mention yeah. how many columns. Well, then Craigslist came along. Right. And now Craigslist has evolved to be the bottom feeder of the one ads. Right when it, when it first started, it was pretty interesting. But now it's the it's the site to go to if you want to get robbed, where you want to find something that that the wife said, get that thing off out of the backyard. And, and that's the same thing I've kind of found with Facebook Marketplace. Here's a vehicle I was contemplating, and I made a, an offer on, forty one weeks ago, a 2010 Ford Expedition Limited Sport Utility Four Wheel Drive Four Door. Uh, with 174,000 miles, she was asking 7,500. I believe I offered her seven, and she turned me down, and she got her money. She sold it, yeah. but just not to me. Wow. 174,000. Well, that, and wow. that's the other difference. Old. See, that's the other difference. <clears throat> Cars last a lot longer yeah. than they used to. Yeah, yeah. 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 absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that five-year-old Torino you bought in 1980, she could see the end of the road from but there. Then there's <laughs> poor people like me that are driving. I bought this truck new. It's a 2016. It's got 140 on it, uh, and I just refinanced it so I could buy a different car, so I'm still paying for it. $140,000 uh, mile still paying for it. Well, uh, in, any, uh, in any event... Uh, and you know what's weird, Joe? I'm not upside down. I still owe less than what it's worth. Hmm. The thing jumped up in value, which I've never, ever, ever had happen. Hmm. I miss the days of the fishing car. Yeah. The fishing car. Joe, on the June 14th show, you read my letter about buying our Duluth daughter a Scoot Star from Kalen at EcoFund Motorsports. Then on June 21, you read my letter about my wife not wanting to be left out and getting an identical bike. Well, this morning, August 9, yesterday, we took my wife's in for a couple of minor things. Since we had appointments later in the day, we expected to have to leave it there. We went to fill up our water bottles for the drive back to Stillwater when Tim Bloom said, Hang on, Elias is working on it. It should be done in 10 minutes. Great. 
While waiting, Kathy, well, must be the wife, talked with another couple who was thinking of buying two Scoot Stars from Kalen, and they did. They bought one and got one at the half-off price. Elias is a great mechanic and a young guy who is headed back to college soon. He did the work quickly, on warranty, and then watched my wife ride the bike. He could tell that her handlebars were too low, so he inserted a spacer in the post and raised the angle of the bars. My wife's posture is now way better. Thank you, Elias. By the way, in the June 14 podcast, you wondered if I was the John Harrington. No, I am not number 28 on the 1980 hockey team, nor am I former St. Paul Police Chief John Harrington. I am also not the former owner of the Boston Red Sox or the John <laughs> Harrington who invented the crapper. I'm just old John Harrington from Stillwater, uh, a couple of years younger than you. Take care, John. He's speaking of Kalen, Tim's daughter. And with all of my emails, I now want to check for yeah. doing all your ads. But uh, <laughs> that's the way it works at EcoFund Motorsports. They're talking about the the Forest Lake store just west of 35 on 97, but remember it's been a little over a year now since EcoFund opened the Burnsville location, and this weekend this Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., special store pricing on all to ATVs, scooters, dirt bikes, and electric bikes in stock this in Burnsville. And all the most popular electric bikes from the manufacturers will be out for demo riding. And to top it off, it's a Grunhofer's Day. Uh-huh. Egg roll brats and hot dogs served hot. Now you can ride the top electric bikes on the market. Enjoy Spencer's top-rated Brought. Remember the manufacturers authorized buy one e-bike, get one 50% off sale will be going on through Saturday at both Forest Lake and Burnsville. That's uh, EcoFund Motorsports, Forest Lake on Highway 97 west of 35 in Burnsville on the service road of life near County Road 42. Hey, GLers, this is Pete Arnold from Hire a Pro. You know, the company that helps you be your own contractor so you can make the roofing company profits instead of the roofing company? I've got Chrissy here. So, Chrissy, why are you in my commercial? You helped me replace my roof. How did that go? It went great. You educated us on how everything worked, showed us behind the curtain, so to speak. And after our $25,000 roof was replaced, we walked away with almost $6,000 for the work we put in. And what work was that? Uh, well, we got the permit and we picked the color. Hire Pro handled everything else. You did a great job, and I'm not even being paid to say that. If anyone's listening and has a storm damage claim, call them. Don't hire a roofer. Hire a pro. That's awesome. I, I appreciate the kind words, and I, I think you just made up our new motto. All right, Joe, you're up. So if insurance has approved your roof replacement, give these guys a call at 651-402-3400 or visit them online at hireadotpro. That's hire a, then put the dot there, pro. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere. You want the best water? I know you Yes. Do. How about the best water to make the best coffee? Yes. How about the best water to make the best ice? Yes. The best Please. shower? Yes. Hofferman Water then, Joe. That's where you want to turn to. I made the switch years ago to Connecticut and Hofferman and I'm very glad with my decision. And you will be too. I guarantee that you will be. So get on the schedule. 952-894-4040. Call them up and just have them come out for a free water analysis. It's 
just that easy. You can also visit their website, which is, of course, HoffermanWater.com. You go on their website, and you can see every single system that they have to offer. Maybe you're in the market for a new water softener or a drinking water system. It doesn't matter. Go with the best, and that's Connecticut and Hofferman Water. They will take great care of you, your family, and the quality of your water. I've been a proud customer for almost a decade now. Hofferman Water has been proudly serving the state of Minnesota for over 50 years. When you call them or visit them online, please tell them that you heard about them here on the Garage Logic podcast. By the way, happy birthday, Marjorie Johnson. It was yesterday. We don't do we birthdays. Missed it. Well, we do Marjorie's. See, now that it's not on her birthday, 104. we can do it. 104 years old. I saw her on the news. She's God still... love you, Marjorie. Yeah. I hope we speak with you uh, to start the fair, as we always have done. We're calling uh, Mary Devine. She has a piece on the front page of today's Pioneer Press on the uh, passing from this earth of a guy named Brian Eldridge. It's lifelong St. Paul guy, 76 Mary years. would like a minute to get settled, Mr. Mayor. Just give me settled? What the hell does that mean? <laughs> Settled. She have to to fluff out her skirt or something. Now Mary just said it's going to be two minutes. Fluff out her skirt. That didn't sound too sexist, Joe. Wow. Yeah, that's a woman for you. I don't know how she puts up with your ass. Need more time because she's a woman. I suppose she's got to look in a mirror or something. She said that she was going to be at a staff meeting when we called her. Mm -hmm. And I found that hard to believe because we don't have a staff. Well, Mary is the staff. Mary is the staff. She's meeting with herself. Is Julio still there? Boy, if he is, his his bylines are few and far between. Yeah, Yeah, I I don't know. What about Fred, right? Fred's still there, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Fred's a single-handed whirling dervish covering many, many things. Uh, And then they got you who just occasionally writes when he feels like it. Mary? Hi, Joe. How are you, love? Fine. Good. Why did you have to get ready? Did you have to primp and get proper? <laughs> well, and... in her defense, we told her 1230, and I called her at 1227. Mary, uh, your story is most of well, you are a cut above. This was an extraordinary story on the death of a fellow named Brian Eldridge, and tell us how you got onto it. Well, Joe, I read the obits on Sunday, and I actually... Um, I always read the obituaries, but uh, my husband, Greg, found it first, left it out for me, and said, you've got to read this one. Mm -hmm. And it was submitted by his brother. It was. His brother, Steve, who lives in Oregon. Brian was the middle of three boys, and uh, Steve is the youngest. Um, And he's the only one left, right, Steve? He's the only one left living, yeah. He actually, he also wrote a heartbreaking obituary about his brother, David, the oldest, um, who had suffered from schizophrenia his whole life. And, yeah, but, we, uh, but we don't know if Brian suffered from any mental illness, do we? We don't. No, we don't. It and just may be that he was the world's ultimate loner. That could be, indeed. Um, I think one of the reasons why this story resonated, I, I have to just tell you the response has been absolutely incredible. Um, it really has. I think I, I can't think of a story I, I've written lately that has just had this this incredible response. And I, I think in part, Joe, because we all we all know a Brian, right? Or we all maybe fear that we might one day be a Brian. No, or that, no, you know, no, no. I disagree with you. All right, you go. No, I disagree with you. I think what what 
compels the extraordinary interest in this story is that we don't know anybody like that. Every time you're reading this piece that you wrote and you think, well, we're going to get to the paragraph where, you know, Mrs. Smith down the block made him brownies once a month. No, there was nothing, no family, no love, no employer, no neighbors, no one knew he died. I submit to you that's what's getting the response is we don't know anyone this thoroughly off the grid. Well, I, I, I certainly don't. Background me. Where did he live? How did he end up in the position he ended up in? Well, uh, he grew up in St. Paul. He went to Central High School. He graduated in 1965. He um, lived in Moundsview. He had a two-bedroom apartment. He also rented two garage storage areas. He had three vehicles for a lot of that time. And uh, just a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Um, Military? He no. was bright. He, he read, Joe. Mm-hmm. He read. He subscribed to probably 20 different magazines and, and you know, periodicals and things. He, right. he was obviously very bright, but just not really tech savvy. Um, he had computers that he didn't know how to work. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that breaks my heart, too. I feel like, um, you know, going into a store and buying something and being sold something that I, I would imagine the salesperson, you know, it just that he wouldn't be able to operate, uh, mm-hmm. but yet, yet was sold um, again and again. I guess what got me the most was he was anxious to serve in the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his brother said he probably would have been good at that. But they rejected him because they didn't want to pay the uh, the cost of what have, would have been required for his acne medication. Yeah, and he that just, killed me. It does kill you, love, because but you know six, that would have been sixty. I think that was sixty eight. He was drafted, mm-hmm. and you know today, right? Of course, you know there's medication. I mean, things like that. Just it, to, if if he had grown up today, right? We would hope, um, you know, there would be. He, he wouldn't have had the same life, I guess. But because that smacks is- that smacks of the military being just mm-hmm. reprehensibly uncharitable. Uh, because what the hell do you care if a soldier's got acne or not? Yeah, I don't know, and I don't know how bad it was. Yeah, who knows? I, I, yeah, but again, just sort of one thing after the other in this man's life that just you know well, mishaps, um, you know, just things that didn't that just didn't go right. He must have had. Job, a uh, job or jobs? He did. Mary, explain, explain those. Well, he uh, delivered the newspaper. One of them was the Pioneer Press. Um, and I actually, you know, I, I know he was a good employee there. I heard from somebody who, who worked uh, who worked with him, the Pioneer Press. He delivered, I think, the Star Tribune as well. He also then was a night janitor at a bingo hall. And that was, and then he, the other thing he did was collect aluminum cans. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if are people still doing that, but that's what he would do. He'd go out to the dumpsters behind bars and restaurants at night and pick them all out and then sell them. Mm-hmm. And he had some money from his mom. He did. Um, he had, uh, well, he, he had this 300, when his parents died, he ended up with a brokerage account. And I, I assume it had been divided among the boys, but his was 300000 And his, he said 
always from day one that he would never once touch the principal of that. Mm -hmm. uh, the only time he took any money out of that account was to buy this, the new car. I think that was 2016. And, the, and his brother, Steve, he had this old rusted out van that never started. And he also had a Saturn. Um, mm -hmm. And he kept both because he had to get to his job. If he didn't make, make it to his job in the middle of winter and it didn't start, so we wanted to have two cars, just as one as backup. But the brother finally convinced him to take some money out of that to buy this new car. Um, so that was in 16. But the rest of the time, he lived off Social Security and then, you know, the interest and dividends from the, the account. Do we know where in St. Paul he grew up, and do we know anything about his parents? You know, I don't, and I wish I had asked more about what neighborhood he was in. I know he went to Central, they grew mm -hmm. up in St. Paul. Um, no, and I asked his parents. I asked if there was a history of mental illness in the family. I, the, because and the brother had schizophrenia and had and was diagnosed. And he mm -hmm. no, no, no. So, just a an interesting man. Um, you know, hair Joe down to the middle of his calves. I mean, long. Oh, wow. hair. Never Which cut he, his hair. Yeah, never. Not in forty-five years. And um, never went to a doctor. Never went to a doctor, ever. Not until the brother one time came back and he was bleeding from his nose. Mm -hmm. And the brother said, you, look, we've got to get you to urgent care right now. Mm -hmm. And that's when they diagnosed him with um, uh, high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. But also, Joe, I mean, and this, it was too long. I mean, the story just got, you know, how it goes. It's just too long. Mm -hmm. But he had a hernia. The brother noticed he was in a hospital gown at urgent care, and he said, what is that? Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, that's my tumor. And mm -hmm. he said it was about the size of a deflated football, and, and uh, you know, he'd never, it had gone untreated this whole time. Mm -hmm. And so he did finally get in and get the hernia operated on. Well, it, it, it's, again, the reason uh, I'm so captivated by it is I, you could not have created in a novel someone this distanced from everybody else yeah. and if you did it would be it would have to be novelistic you would have to have created and set out to specifically create a character who was unaffiliated with the human race well and no one would believe it right I right mean, you saw the photo the, that ratty old jacket i mean you just it is just um yeah no one would believe it but i'll tell you joe i have been so touched um and i hope people a you read the story right and mm -hmm. i hope also they go and find his obituary and then read all the comments that have been left by people you know who, who never knew brian right had no affiliation with him mm -hmm. and i also want to give a shout out to this saint adelia's up in shoreview who offered you know, contacted the brothers through the Pioneer Press and offered to host a, you know, a funeral service for free. They're going to do a mass in his name mm -hmm. um, next weekend. And it offered also to bury him, you know, have his cremains or, you know, bury him there at the cemetery, which mm -hmm. I thought was beautiful. So, mm. yeah, I, I've just been moved by all the comments. Um, and I just think, you know, there's so many stories out there. And I'm grateful to the Pioneer Press for letting me take the time to tell them and tell them in the, the, you know, the manner and the way that I feel they should be told. I think these soul of the city stories you know, are what really set the Pioneer Press apart. And um, I'm just grateful to have a chance to, to share them. I, I'm, I'm of the understanding that you're going to or either are attending a staff meeting today. You didn't get the well, memo, huh? I, it's, 
It's a picnic, Joe. It's our summer. Oh, oh. Even, worse. even worse. They won't invite him to the picnic. Stone Soul Picnic. Mary, you'll appreciate this. Um, here at Hubbard Broadcasting, and I don't know if you guys at the Pioneer Press do the same thing, but when we mention a fellow employee's name, we look at Joe and we say, for a million dollars, do you know who that person well, I, is? I, I, Mary, don't listen to this. <laughs> Mary, uh, I have something to tell you. Old Man Suits here has been um, urging me, demanding that I uh, sign up and get um, um, a subscription to the Pioneer Press, and for years I've been giving him the middle finger. Uh, I just signed up because Thank of you. you. Because yeah. of you, Mary. I appreciate that. Well, she won't let you down. I said this is a cut above. This kind of story, Mary, is not that unusual. This is almost a staple of newspapers to search these kinds of things out. But you have a particular uh, you have a particular way of thoroughness, and uh, uh, I was t- I was again. Y- y- you said at the beginning of this, you said, "Well, we all know somebody." <laughs> no, we don't. That's why I, this is. That's why this I, one is so special. I agree with Mary because he grew up here in the Twin Cities. He still lives in the Twin Cities, and people knew him. So no, he that's, wasn't Kenny. He, who knew him? He well, his employers. He got fired on Christmas Eve. Oh, that's cold. That is really cold. Damn, that is cold. Ooh. Mary, Mm. did anyone know him? Well, I mean, that's, I don't know, right, love? I mean, I haven't seen on the obituaries, like, oh, well, I was his, you know, I worked at SA for 15 years. Yeah, I saw him every morning and we talked when he came in. I mean, I love that he went to Super America every, he drove, it was like two blocks from his house. He drove to the SA and he bought both newspapers thank god for that and he bought a lottery ticket which i loved and then some sort of frozen burrito or something joe he never once operated his oven or stove or even his microwave until later when his brother you know he just it was just huh. it was sort of like a relic like a throwback to another yeah another time. did he have yeah. a tv he huh. had a tv but he didn't know how to operate it he couldn't get it he to couldn't work get the channels yeah wow. oh, get god it, that's depressing and he bought well, a seventy-two I, inch. He went to Best Buy and bought a seventy-two inch TV. That's in the story, yeah. yeah. And he loved the Minnesota Twins, and that's why he wanted the TV was to be able to watch the Twins. And I just don't think he ever really got that. Probably what killed him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the heartbreak. He was heartbroken. But but to think, but to think he wouldn't go down the hall and knock on a door and say, "Could you help me find the Twins game on my TV?" Yeah, you know. And I'm thinking, honestly, I was, you know, normally sometimes, Joe, when I write stories like this, then the next day I'll hear from somebody, you know, I actually lived down the street or I knew I lived across the hall from Mm -hmm. him. I have not. I mean, and I will tell you, I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of people have read this story. And I I thank you for bringing attention to it. Uh, Shout out to Kathy Orser at NPR, uh, Jana Shortle. I mean, a number of people have commented and shared this story. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I only have taught, I've gotten, I've heard from one person who knew, who had, um, I worked with him at the Pioneer Press. Mm -hmm. And I was just struck by that. Um, Hmm. He he had said that he knew him and they, they liked him. And, you know, just was so very sad to hear, hear what had happened to him. So. Well, thank you, young lady, and keep it up. Yeah. Well, oh, I'd also give a shout-out to Dan Kelly. He read the story to the—he reads to the blind on Yes, Thursday, he does, so. yeah. Yeah, and uh, he did a beautiful job reading it. Um, so, and Joe, I just always—I—your I, uh, text this morning, I just want to—it means a lot to hear from you, and I appreciate you. I know you read my stories, and I know um, you know what it takes to produce them, so I just—it yeah. always—I just— 
um, I'm grateful for you for. Wait a minute. So he's nice to you, but he's not nice yeah. to us. I'm, I'm no, nice, I'm, Mary. Don't believe these people. They're I've never got I've never gotten a nice text from Joe. Not yeah. once, yeah. ever. I, I do want to follow up on Kenny's comment about uh, paying you a compliment and saying that he was drawn to the Pioneer Press website to sign up. And uh, I did as well today. Kenny, what did it cost you for six months? One dollar. One dollar. One dollar. And Mary, that's why you're having a picnic in the park, because we don't have a building. No, but I want to shout out, because really, I think people complain, oh, I hit the paywall. I didn't, I'm not going to buy it. I'm not going to pay for it. It's one dollar. Seriously. Yeah, I'll it's one dollar. Yeah. <laughs> Mary, that's... We'll send you four quarters. I mean, that's that's the... Crazy. Okay, that's the conversation I had with me. It's one dollar, dummy. Sign up. I do want to hear. This was Scott Franson, who worked at Pioneer Press and helped with circulation. Mm -hmm. He sent this note. Mary, a touching and lovely story today on Brian. Brian was a paper carrier back in the 80s and 90s while I was at the Pioneer Press. He was loved, Mm -hmm. not just by the Pioneer Press employees that worked with him daily, but also by the several hundred readers who received their paper from him daily for all those years. Good. Thank you for bringing Good. us this story. Cool. So I just want to that out to Scott. And so, yes, so he was loved. And how many um, people, you know, it's, there you go, love. I don't know my paper carrier. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for I do. And Brian. Uh, yeah. I do know mine. And uh, we're lucky to get the paper Spe- by noon on Speaking Sunday. Speaking of Super America. <laughs> Mary, right. thank you very much. Thank you. Take care, you guys. All right. Good Goodbye. 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 Thank you. Mary yeah. Devine. That wouldn't have passed oh. muster with my supervisor, Craig Harrison, way back when. Mm-hmm. We had to get it out there by seven. My guy's up there eating a roller dog, and I'm trying to buy the paper. <laughs> when she said the burrito, I thought, man, was this Joe's paper guy? Now, wait a minute. Could have been my paper guy. No, it was not. It was not my paper no. guy. Thank you very much. You. you know, learning of this uh, death of Brian Eldridge. Uh, Mueller would have taken care of him. That would have been the kind of thing that Mueller oh, would yeah. have would have excelled at. Mueller Memorial, family-owned. They've been serving families for over 75 years. They're in the third generation. And I'm sure my friend uh, Scott Mueller has probably come across a few Brian Eldridges in his life. They uh, take care of difficult details so you can spend the time with your family. They help Create the perfect event to honor your loved one and bring families together to celebrate a life well lived. You know what? He would have figured out a way to celebrate by Brian Eldridge. Yes, for sure. There wouldn't have been family around, but there would have been people. He would have figured yeah. out a way. It's not a fun thing to think about, but when you learn about it, it's not all that wrought with fright and anxiety. Uh, Mueller has also written a book called What to Know Before You Go. You can get a free copy sent to you just by going to MuellerMemorial.com. And keep in mind that uh, that family, the Mueller family, has been doing this for many, many years in the Twin Cities, in St. Paul in particular. They have a, they have a, actually have a bar at the White Bear location. Nice. You know, it's not used for every occasion, but it's there. If when, you, the, when the occasion calls. That's right. So uh, please take my word for it. I know these people very well. MuellerMemorial.com.
You know, the investment game can be awfully tricky, especially in these volatile times. And that's why you need the best and also somebody that you can trust. And that's why I rely on Josh Arnold. We know him as Mr. Money Talk around these parts. And he's here for you. So give him a call today for that free 48-minute no-obligation consultation by dialing 952-925-5608. 952-925-5608. Josh has been at this a long time with a track record of success, and he's here to help you. So give him a call today. No obligation. That's right. No obligation. It's absolutely free. 952-925-5608. And tell them you heard about them here on the Garage Logic Podcast. Investment services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a security investment advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. All comments and opinions are Josh Arnold's and do not constitute investment advice. Chris Reavers is a paid endorser. The earth is not your mother. The Joe Suchere Show. Trying to keep a beat. Uh, I tell you what, you know, there ain't one yet. Regarding that story, that obituary that we just read, I know some people that help people that need help. They have to know they need help, and that is Minnesota Wait, Masonic Charities. Got it. But they didn't know him, so they couldn't help him. Okay, but the, Danny Green. Those are the type of people <laughs> when that when that Minnesota Masonic Calcutta Clipper comes down. There's cash available. Actually, there's help available to a lot of people, and they do serve a lot of people at Minnesota Masonic Charities, mnmasoniccharities.org. And as you know, they're one of Minnesota's leading service organizations, and this week they're focusing on the great example of what they do at the Masonic Children's Clinic for Communication Disorders in Duluth. They provide early identification, treatment, and support for childhood communication disorders so the kids can communicate. They've helped thousands of families unlock the world of communication for their children. Children since 1900. That's 123 years. Amazing work by great people. MasonicChildrensClinic.org is their home website. MasonicChildrensClinic.org. If you want to get involved, check out the website. They're also holding a golf tournament August 14th in Duluth, 218-390-0864. 218-390-0864. But get the uh, phone number from MasonicChildrensClinic.org. Minnesota Masonic Charities, compassionate Committed and oh, so capable. Hi. Here's Hi. John Height. Here's right. John Height. Here's John Height. I'm sorry, I could have thrown it to you, Johnny Cake. Thank you, Joe and Rookie. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to the Pioneer Press for our first news story here. Joe, this might be good news for you. St. Paul Mayor Melvin Carter today, uh, he, uh, he gave out his, uh, oh, what's going to happen with the budget this morning, right? Mm-hmm. And property taxes will not rise a lot. They're, they're very flat. Define that a lot, Mayor Carter. <laughs> well, they won't 7, go up a lot. Right. About 3.7%, it appears they will go up. Owners of median value houses likely would see little difference in their property taxes. Some could see a decrease due in part to a large commercial and industrial properties gaining value at a faster clip in the era of same-day home delivery. Now, the total levy will go from $201.1 million to $208.5 million, so a $7.4 million gain. But like I said, for a lot of uh, homeowners, they won't notice a whole lot. Yeah. The ones that are going to get a decrease are the ones that live between Mickey's Diner and the storage unit on 7th. <laughs> <laughs> the little house on the prairie. 
<laughs> Among additional offsets against uh, what he called runaway inflation, the mayor noted the state legislature increased local government aid to St. Paul by $8.8 million, restoring state aid to 2003 levels after 20 years of lobbying lawmakers. Aside from property taxes, he talked about some other things, too. Uh, he talked about the RIP Medical Debt, a national nonprofit that buys hard-to-collect medical debt and negotiates payoffs at rates approaching $1 for every 100 in uncollected debt. Any health system in the city would be invited to take part in the city's medical debt freedom initiative. And patients who benefit will be notified by email that their debts have been canceled as a tax-free gift. Uh, let's see, what else did he talk about? He said, uh, by the before the speech, by the way, he went to talk with a group of about two dozen firefighters and labor activists gathered to protest the state of the city's contract negotiations with IAF Local. The encounter resulted in some yelling. Firefighters yelling, you should be ashamed and pay us. The firefighters who say they're the 14th lowest paid firefighters in Minnesota have rallied for higher wages and begun informational picketing after working under an expired contract since the 1st of January. You know what the weird thing is about firefighters? God love them. They don't put on, there are any fires. Their fires are so rare. They're basically all medical people. My brother-in-law, Billy Sotzer, was a firefighter for... 30 years, or I don't know how long it was, and the only time he ever had a big fire was yeah. the fire at Plums. Yeah. He was he had the axe on the on the ceiling. Other we don't that, have fires. Right uh, St. Paul Fire Department went to two fires yesterday, one okay. in the morning, one in the afternoon, big commercial building fires. All right. Like I say, you get a it's fire. Those guys, there was no, nothing burning on his building. Uh, you know, there, there, there are mean. some, no, like I was saying, there are some fires. There's a, right. a couple yesterday. You don't see a lot on Maine where he is. <laughs> <laughs> You're a siren every yes, once in a while. Yes, you in the back. On um, today's, Kate. or this, I'm sorry, this week's award-nominated episode of the Weekly Scramble, Mike had some information that I think is uh, apropos here, gentlemen. He said, hey, uh, I just chatted with Mayor Melvin Carter. He stopped into one of my stores. I don't know which which location, mm-hmm. to buy some paint or whatever. And he said... I doubt if the mayor was buying paint. He was buying... No, Mike said he was buying stuff All to right. work on a project. Whatever. He also told me that I've tried to get in touch with Joe several times, and yeah. he has my cell phone number, but he's never called me back. Yeah, I did. Huh. That's a lie. I called him back and because uh, he wants to have lunch. Because Ma- Mike... Pastor said, you need to go on GL. There ain't going to be no truce. <laughs> Not after that information, the, I'll John. I'll try to set it up for the fair. So I called him. and We'll bring him lunch. I called him, and he said, oh, I can't get together. I'm going to Washington. This was a long huh. time. Was that, uh, I was just going to say, did he put that in quotes? Okay. So, uh, this, you know, we, you know, sure. <laughs> on the other <laughs> Other side of the metro, Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry told Five Eyewitness News the process has begun to find a replacement for current Commissioner of Community Safety, Dr. Cedric Alexander, who, of course, as we know, is retiring on September 1st. What a Alex- leap show. Alexander was hired last <laughs> summer after a nationwide search for someone to oversee the Office of Community Safety. Uh, Fry said finding Alexander's replacement is one of the more important appointments he will oh. make. As you why Cedric didn't do anything. I've been seeing Jay Coles must have interviewed him, huh? I've seen footage. I haven't heard the interview. Uh, Jay did. I just want to know what did Cedric do, and what do you expect the new guy to do? Anything? Anything at all? 
he did talk about what the new guy will do. He said it'll be a little bit different from what Cedric did. He ah. said the role, will, the role will change a bit. Fry said the new commissioner will focus more on administrative tasks than on police expertise. Oh, God, what a waste of time. You know what they have going over there? Too many cooks spoiling the broth. Hey, I can't say anything about that. And what yeah. is broth again? It's, it's meat. a liquid. Uh, uh, it's it's a base a for a base for a soup. Mm-hmm. It's like water, yeah, yeah, but with flavor. Water with flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mayor said he's also considering uh, possible <laughs> candidates who have broad experience, such as judges, former judges, former commissioners of public safety, and academics. He said he's not yet set a deadline, but sources told Five Eyewitness News he's hoping to announce before Alexander leaves the spot in three weeks. Can, do you have to live in Minneapolis, or can you live? in South St. Paul, because I know a guy that wouldn't mind having a third job. You have to live in Minneapolis, Kenny. Okay, Matthew, you have to move to Minneapolis. All right, I can make it work. What about the, uh, no, that's Cross not necessarily true, because what's the the one guy that ran the library? Wasn't well, he, he living lived in, in Southern California? California. Yeah. California. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They got a great outfit over there. Yeah. <laughs> Bit of a political shakeup in the politics of Duluth. A challenger comfortably topped Duluth's two-term incumbent mayor in a mayoral primary. I need a ray of hope here. I need a ray of hope. Ray of hope, Chris. Here's today's ray of hope. I'm glad John brought this up. Go ahead, John. Former state Senator Roger Reinert earned the most votes, and Mayor Emily Larson secured the second spot, but it wasn't really close. Uh, The two will face off in November's general election ballot. Reinert got 63% of the primary vote. Larson had 35% in a five-way race. Issues in the campaign included housing affordability, the condition of streets, and property taxes. Larson ran with the backing of Governor Walls and the DFL party's endorsement, even though this office is technically nonpartisan. Reinert served in the legislature as a DFLer until 2017, but said he'd run without party backing in this race. His campaign emphasized bolstering basic city services. He had led the Duluth Entertainment and Convention Center on an interim basis in 2021 and 20. He teaches as an adjunct instructor at the College of St. Scholastica, and he's a licensed attorney. Uh, Larson's trying to be elected for the third time. On Tuesday, she lost in 85% of the city's precincts. The election will be November 7th. Let me uh, quote you from a story about this. Uh, Unhappiness with Larson is what spurred Western Duluth resident Brian Wark to vote. He said, with the city too focused on tourism and not enough on its residents, this town has gone too far, he said. Get this mayor out of here. Uh, This is the kind of awakening that's needed uh, in St. Paul and Minneapolis. It's gone too far. Uh, we have elected uh, people, we've discussed this many times, who do not have the citizens at heart. They have only their agendas right. at heart, and they don't take care of the basics. And this Emily Larson sounds like a, a, a an excellent example of the failed Progressive Academy. You'll recall among her pressing... Uh, her pressing worries was the use of the word chief. Remember that? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, only to be corrected by some natives who said, don't worry about it, lady. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you get your Starbucks inside the little stores they have in Target, this story's for you. Target announced Wednesday they'll be rolling out nationwide the ability for guests to dr- uh, add a Starbucks drink for their drive-up order at stores 
that have Starbucks cafes. I'm so, so sick of these fruitcakes <laughs> calling shoppers guests. I go in there. I'm not your Come on, guest. Do it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm confused by what you just said, John. So well, you know, America, target, you hold can, on, hold on, hold on. Yep. So America ha- has spoken. We're so lazy that the, just the pure convenience of walking into a, st- a large market retailer and getting our coffee, that's not enough. That some bitch needs to have a drive through because after I get my goods at Target, I ain't walking. No. I need an effing drive through right. Well, it's not a drive through It's It's when you drive up to get your groceries and they bring them out. They'll also bring your coffee. You're, up. you're, you're saying exactly what I was trying to. So, no, yeah. I think you're just so, a lazy guest no. at that. Wow, point. Uh, no, lazy no. guest. Yes, <laughs> I think you're a very wrong. bad guest. <laughs> it's what we've had all along since the beginning of the pandemic. Like John was saying, there's always spots in almost every parking lot where you can pull in. They're right. close to the door, and they come running out with your crap. And I and listen, I'm not ripping that part because I know that there's elderly people that are disabled that need that. I get that completely, but now I need a... Okay, I, I need the drive-through. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Well, maybe those elderly people need a coffee, Chris. Uh-huh. <laughs> On that yeah, note... There is no obesity issue in this country whatsoever. Why don't we take a quick break before we do a little more news? Before I dig myself a further hole. Yeah. <laughs> Scoonies on the line. That's uh, Mike Schoon over to you and I of the all new and improved and almost open Schoon over Body Works. He's uh, he's the sole sponsor of Positive Thursday here at GL Schoon over Body Works in Shoreview, ten sixty County Road E. Uh, Mike, a personal note: a couple of weeks ago, I uh, I spent about eight hundred dollars on a couple of garage doors. <laughs> Not to brag, but. <laughs> How's how's your project doing? Uh, you're not laughing, Mike. Hello, Mike. Mike. Hello. Hello. I got I got the cold sweats here, Kenny. No, we're 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 gonna we're we're doing good. No, it's all it's all gonna be good. And one of these days, so we're still kind of eating dirt. Uh, all the pavement is not down yet. So, but it'll be down by the end of next week. So, hopefully uh, by that time, our mechanic bays will be open, and we'll have. Uh, Lots of uh, customers coming in and out that we can service and should all be good. So you need to get this place up and running. And by running, I mean perfectly smoothly by the time the snow flies. So the way I see it, you've got about three weeks before it snows. So that's plenty of time. You'll be up, you'll be running and everything will be fine. And next thing you know, you'll have GLers lined up around the block trying to get in there. Let's hope. I think so. Yeah, we we got road construction going on out front, so by that time <clears throat> we'll be uh, we'll have the road wide open so people can get in and out freely, and it'll all be good. So, okay. um, hey, Kenny, on a side note, I need to tell you something. What do you got? Uh, you know, our detail department we uh, we wash cars, clean cars, buff cars, make cars look pretty, clean out the interiors, and get rid of all those uh, Cheerios and stuff that that kids leave behind. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> we are using the new product that uh, you happen to endorse. Isn't it amazing? Uh, I'm guessing you're you're going to say bugs be gone. Yeah, it's it's incredible. I picked up a <laughs> no. gallon. I picked up a gallon a couple weeks ago, and I threw it at my detailers, and I said, "I want you to try this versus the stuff that we're using right now, and see if it works." And yeah. I asked them yesterday. I said, "Hey, how's that? How's that bugs be gone coming along?" And they go, "It's 
working awesome. It's great. It's so amazing. They just, they slide down the windshield and you can use them on the paint too. It's really an amazing product. Well, I'm glad it's being tested by professionals because that, you know, that, that makes a difference, you know, as opposed to just some meathead that's driving around at night trying to get bugs on his windshield. Yeah, and for you know, for those of you who don't have access to a high pressure washer or those types of things, this 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 makes that very very easy. And, yeah. Um, and you know, we need to have clean cars before we work on them. And this time of year, you know, those you know the mosquitoes and the flies and every bee and wasp is imaginable is on the front grills and windshields and mirrors. So this stuff works really good. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. Does Schoonover Body Works, Garage Logic, and Seafoam Bugs Be Gone? Is this what they call synergy? This can't be synergy. Is this synergy? What's happened to us, Mike? This is synergy. We're connecting dots is what we're doing, Kenny. We're making a link, as Suge says. Hey, uh, GLers, I know he glossed over the detailing thing, um, but especially the inside. You'll get your vehicle back from Schoonover after they've detailed the inside, and you'll think they gave you the wrong vehicle. That's how amazing the detail work is. And you know what? You get that from Schoonover uh, with every aspect, whether it's an oil change, new tires, body works. Schoonover Body Works and Auto Care, they do it all. The, the, uh, they are the official body shop of Garage Logic, and they're on the web, schoonoverbodyworks.com. <laughs> It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Souchere. And I just want to mention, um, double down on what Mike said about Bugs Be Gone. It's safe for all finishes, non-toxic, a water-based formula, leaves no film or haze when it dries, and we can use it on anything. Anything that has an organic substance on it, and um, like the vehicles, campers, bikes, boats, golf carts, whatever you got. Bugs Be Gone will work on it. It's just a wonderful, wonderful product from Seafoam. Johnny? Thank you, Kenny. In other news, wildfires fueled by a dry summer and strong winds from a passing hurricane killed 36 people and destroyed hundreds of homes and other buildings on the Hawaiian island of Maui in the deadliest blaze in the U.S. in years. A rescuer searched today through the leveled ashen homes and businesses of Lahaina, which dates to the 1700s. It's the biggest town on the west side of the island, has long been a favorite destination of tourists. Firefighters still battling blazes on the island as Maui officials prepared to evacuate thousands of visitors and residents still in need of shelter. The fire started Tuesday, took the island by surprise. At least 36 people have died, according to Maui County officials. Uh, officials said earlier 271 structures had been damaged or destroyed, officials warn the Maui death toll could rise from this point on. President Joe Biden signing an executive order yesterday to block and regulate high-tech U.S.-based investments going toward China, a move the administration said was targeted, but it also reflected an intensifying competition between the two big powers. The order covers advanced computer chips, microelectronics, quantum information technologies, and artificial intelligence. Senior administration officials said the effort stemmed from national security goals rather than economic interests. China immediately blasting Biden's move, the foreign ministry saying China is strongly dissatisfied with and resolutely opposed to the U.S.'s insistence on introducing restrictions. This is blatant economic coercion and technological bullying. 
Let me ask you, numbnuts, some questions here about China and what you would do. Let's say you have a real estate asset, and uh, I'll just pick a figure. It's worth five hundred thousand dollars. You're trying to sell it for five twenty-five. You get an offer from China, and they'll pay you seven fifty. Are you selling it to China? I ain't selling it to the commies. Sold. Believers. Sold. Believers. Rookies selling it. Sold. Nope. I need the money. Johnny? Yeah, probably not, no. Wow. Kenny'd sell it in a heartbeat. Yeah, you don't have to ask me. You already know. <laughs> right. God. Uh, we have a music death, and this one's a pretty big one. Robbie Robertson, the chief composer and lead guitarist for the band, whose work offered a rustic vision of America that seemed mythic and authentic, despite his being Canadian, in the process helped to inspire the genre that became known as Americana, died yesterday in Los Angeles. He was 80. His manager said he died after a long illness. His songs conjured up a wild place, often centered in the south of America, peopled by rough-hued characters from the defeated Confederate soldier in the night they drove old Dixie down, to the tough union worker of King Harvest is Surely Come, to the shady characters in Life is a Carnival. In its day, the band's music stood out by inverting the increasing volume and mania of psychedelic rock, and also by sidestepping its accent on youthful rebellion. Robertson described it as, quote, we just went completely left, what everyone else went right. The ripple effect on that sound and image unveiled from the band's first album, Music from Big Pink, released in 1968, was very wide on impact. The band's music affected a lot of artists who were influenced by it, affected uh, fellow guitarist Eric Clapton so much that he wanted to join the band, but they politely declined his offer. Before the band had success, there were Bob Dylan's backup band through the mid-60s, supplying muscle to his move to electric music. In the summer of 1967, the band went to live near Dylan's home in Woodstock, New York, and they recorded a bunch of music, ended up becoming the first real bootleg record, nicknamed The Great White Wonder, and eventually they were released officially about eight years later as The Basement Tapes in 1975. In 74, the band reunited with Dylan, backing him on the Planet uh, Waves album, which became number one on Billboard. Uh, two years later, they gave what they called their final concert, The Last Waltz. All-Star Affair. It featured guest artists and friends from Joni Mitchell and Van Morrison to Muddy Waters and Neil Young, as well as Dylan. Film of the show, released in 1978, directed by Martin Scorsese, was lionized by Rolling Stone magazine as the greatest concert movie of all time. The band was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1994. Robbie Robertson was 80 years old. You know the song, The Wait? Yeah, I rolled in Nazareth. Yeah. Uh, is about nothing. It means mm -hmm. nothing. Nazareth was the location of a guitar that Robbie Robertson bought, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. And that's where, and then all of a sudden I rolled into Nazareth. That's where it came from. Got it. Yeah. I love the Mavis Staples version of it. Yeah, she, wonderful. Uh, John and I have had a million conversations about Mavis Staples, her short little verse that she sang. Um, in, in that version, it's just so amazing to me, so powerful. And Joe, I, I've uh, I, I've kind of the analogy I've come up with is she's driving a supercar, and she's just on the verge of putting the throttle down and going from sixty to two hundred and ten miles an hour. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's she's so amazing, and how she kind of holds back, and the last thing she says, mm-hmm, and it's like, oh, yeah. Mavis, oh, my God. <laughs> the guy right. that intrigues me oh. is Garth Hudson. He's the only one left. Right, and he he apparently had to lie to his parents 
to to be in the band and and lied to them and said he was giving music lessons because apparently he was a very serious and talented musician. Yeah. And and his parents would have been appalled that he was backing up Ronnie Hawkins, so he lied about it. Let's listen to that right now. Look that up, Chris. Let's put it on. I want to hear that song. I knew the Clapton story, Jen, but why? Why? What was the reason? Well, he's a hack. They knew. They saw right through his well, act. No, that's they already had everything they needed. That in the was band. not even intentional. <laughs> yeah, and Robbie was a, a really fine guitar player too. He was. He was not. In fact, there's a live Clapton album where uh, Robbie comes out and joins him on stage and Robbie blows Clapton off the stage because it's when Clapton was at his most mellow in the 70s and Robbie you just... when he was the up. most stoned? Stoned and drunk, yeah. yeah. Mostly drunk, man. Yeah. He was drinking uh, and he give, he throws the solo to Robbie and it's like night and day. It's like, okay. Well, kids, if you, if you want to stay clear of the weed... And uh, the door <laughs> says heroin. Uh, take a good look at uh, before and after pictures of Rick Danko. Yeah, that'll straighten you out. <laughs> they no, have Rick, Rick, Rick Danko really looked like a movie star. He wasn't really the weed though. He was. He was, was, no, that was smack. It was all yeah. kinds yeah. of bad stuff. But he looked like a movie star. Yeah. And then twenty years later. Didn't look like a movie star. He weighed well, about seven hundred pounds, and, and uh, Richard Manuel, the keyboard player, also looked like a movie star and yeah, hung himself. Yeah. you know, after being a, also a hero. And my claim to fame with uh, Richard Manuel is, I think when I covered spring training, I always stayed in the same hotel that Richard Manuel did when he killed himself. Oh, in, oh well, that's in, okay. That's in, not in, dark in, at win, all. in yeah. Winter Park, Florida. Huh. Did you request his room? No, no, I just. <laughs> right. I just, wow. I just, when, 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 uh, when he I died, I, I thought he, <laughs> I thought I read that he died in this hotel in Winter Park, Florida, and I said, well, I recognize the name of that. I've stayed there. When you check in, you say, anyone die here? Uh, what, John, bro? they had, they had what? some difficulties after they broke up, right? Was they it did copyright stuff, or what was well, it, it was Levon Helm felt, starting with the Scorsese movie, uh, that Robbie Robertson basically was out to be to be the famous guy to be the leader of the band to be he was you know, the, wasn't he the, well he wasn't he, yeah he ah. wrote stuff and mm. arranged stuff but levon uh, said you know he just cared more about an image than he did about the music and that's why levon ended up being the first one to kind of go i got i got to get out of here uh and uh, so yes he and, and robbie and robbie did some weird things it is autobiography he said he, when Levon was dying, he went to his hospital room, and even though all the family says Levon was incoherent, couldn't, wasn't even, he was comatose. Robbie said, "Well, we made up. Me and Levon made up." Then Levon said everything was okay. <laughs> well, all right. family said he was comatose. Robbie, right. I'm not sure. Well, that, he didn't disagree when he said, "Are we good?" Yeah, Are he didn't good? say no. He didn't say he no. He didn't say no. Right. But yes, but he also has a huge, uh, tons of people in the music industry who are his friends who say, you know, he's he's like any other rock star. He's driven by music. He's driven by fame. He's driven by all the normal things, or he was driven. So you know, I'm you know how personal things sometimes with bands get involved. The son of a Native American, Native Canadian woman, and a <clears throat> Jewish gambler. Yep. Do you guys made, know this? I'll take a hit. Go ahead, John. I'm sorry. He, he made a couple excellent solo albums in the 80s, too, mm -hmm. uh, that don't get the recognition they should. They were really good. Like what? What, what are they called? Uh, I can't remember the name of the one, but it had a semi-hit on it. Uh, uh, broken look look it up, because I want to tell the story of Muddy Waters on uh, The Last Wall. 
uh, Waltz, a mannish boy. Um, the director told all the cameramen they could take a break. And so there's just one camera on Muddy Waters for his entire, almost his entire version of the song, Manish Boy. And then mm-hmm. at the very end, I don't know if he called everybody back in or if they just came back from break. But then you can, if you're watching it, you see at the very, very end, they go to a different camera. Uh, but that just that one camera shot of Muddy doing that song is so, so cool. A mistake that just turned out awesome. It was his yeah. own name was the album, John. That's what the I'm fir- His first one was Robbie Robertson. The second one was, was Storyville from 91, which both albums, killer, just excellent. Uh, Storyville he did with a bunch of guys like the Neville Brothers, a lot of New Orleans guys. And uh, both albums are very good. And he's got that weird, not really great singing voice that sounds great. You know what I mean? That kind of rock and roll thing. Yeah, kind of like me. Not- <laughs> well, yeah. I guess yeah, okay, uh, I know. I know what I'm watching <laughs> when the show is over. <laughs> Great band, I think. You know, I thought about it yesterday. I thought, boy, they're probably as influential as outside of the Beatles and a couple other bands. Stones, they're as influential as any band ever. Because the whole Americana thing is direct shoot off. Do you know that. the story with Emmy Lou in that movie? Why she wasn't not. a part of the the show that night? Because at the very, very end, they do a song with her that's in like shot in a warehouse. And it that's was, the yeah. finals, final scene of the movie. Yeah, I don't know. No, no clue. Not sure. All why. right. Not sure why. Uh, in other news, we had an assassination in Ecuador. Oh, boy. Uh, we killed a presidential candidate. Uh, this candidate had been known for speaking against drug cartels wow. and corruption. Uh, the whole thing. Uh, well, not the whole thing, but it was caught basically on camera. Uh, he was shot numerous times. He was Fernando Villaviencio in Quito. It happened less than two weeks before a special presidential election. And so now the president, current president of the country has declared three days of national mourning and a state of emergency that involves additional military personnel deployed throughout the country. An armed Utah man accused of making violent threats against President Biden shot and killed by FBI agents before the president landed there yesterday. Special agents were trying to serve a warrant in the home of 74-year-old Craig Robertson in Provo, Utah, when the shooting happened. Robertson was armed at the time of the shooting. He had posted online Monday that he had heard Biden was coming to Utah. He was planning to dig out a camouflage suit and begin cleaning up the dust off his M24 sniper rifle, a post that came after months of graphic online threats against several public figures, according to court documents. He had been visited in March and at that point told the FBI they needed a warrant to come in and uh, then posted online they were lucky he didn't shoot them. Robinson referred to himself as a mega Trumper, a reference to former President Trump, also posted threats against other top law enforcement officials overseeing the court cases against Trump. Robbie Robertson was worth 50 mil when he died. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Just look at the songs he wrote. Yeah. Hell, the weight's been recorded by everybody. Right. Literally. And they had a couple other hits up on Cripple Creek. Um, you know, a lot, lot of songs, a mm-hmm. lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. No, th- no, no thoughts on Utah, huh? On what? No thoughts on what? The guy that the FBI took out in Utah. What about him? John just did the news story. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the guy, that's an odd story because, uh, I don't think he was, well, what do I know? I, uh, he didn't. Nice contribution, Reavers. Yeah, you know, 
Okay. Well, we shot the guy because he was threatening Biden. Well, we shot him because he came to the door with a gun, I think, is why they shot him. There is. Did you guys watch the video? There well, that if he I came to the door with a gun, that that's okay. Then well, he's fair game, I guess. I, I'm doomed. Yeah. Well, his his post, when they, vi they visited him in March, he posted, I know you're reading this, Federal Bureau of Idiots. You have no idea how close your agents just came to violent eradication. So I think they probably thought he was dangerous, would be my guess. Yeah, but the neighbors say he was frail and used a cane and was unlikely he could shoot anybody. But Some was, old windbag. Well, then he's a good target, right? He, yeah. he was a keyboard, <laughs> keyboard warrior of the highest degree then, in other words. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. a nutcase. Thank Speaking you. of nutcases, did you see the guy <laughs> that ran onto the field at the Twins-Detroit game? God, that was awesome. No, but I heard the play-by-play play by play of it. it they just... He just, they basically couldn't catch him, and he finally just gave up and said, they all I think conked out, didn't tired. they? Yeah. I think tired? he just got so tired that he gave up. Yes. Yeah. Johnny, so thank you. Awesome. I miss that. You're welcome. Yes. Uncomfortable. Take a break. No, I <laughs> want to tell you with what a dramatic pause about our friends at North American Banking Company. Proud sponsors of 30 years of Garage Logic here as we're highlighting bits from 30 years of GL. And North American Banking Company is behind us, and they want you to consider them if you're looking at making a switch from the big bank. They've been around since 1998, and when they first opened, they made that promise to deliver a better banking experience for their customers. And this commitment to being a true community bank in the Twin Cities, well, they have absolutely stood by that for over 25 years. They invest in people, businesses, and organizations that make the Twin Cities a great place to live. And they get it. There's no shortage of banking options in the Twin Cities. So if you're tired of being just a number to your big national bank, then be sure to check out my friends at North American Banking Company. They offer the same online and mobile banking options as the other banks, but with the unparalleled service of a community bank, and they are also locally owned and operated. And that's huge because loan decisions are made right here in the Twin Cities. And this helps business owners solve problems and expand their business with confidence. So check out their website today. It's nabankco.com, nabankco.com. North American Banking Company, member FDIC, is an equal housing lender. of Spoon Lake. We're celebrating 30 years of garage logic. Thanks in part to North American Banking Company. And uh, help me with the math here, staff. Uh, Betty McCollum, uh, uh, sworn in uh, uh, yesterday as a uh, congresswoman for Minnesota, mm -hmm. has said uh, repeatedly uh, that uh, one of her biggest thrills is her realization that when her grandmother was born, she couldn't vote. Well, uh, as I saw pointed out in a, a letter, no one can vote when they're born. But let's give her that. We, right. we know what she means, right? <laughs> right. What she meant pick. was that in her grandmother's era, women were not allowed to vote. And here I am, her granddaughter. I am now a congresswoman from Minnesota. Mm -hmm. All right. McCollum's 43. Okay. All right. Let's say her mom... Uh, was 25. Would that be fair? I mean, I'm just, I'm just using pretty, rough numbers. Yeah, very average age. Well, let's say Betty's mom was 25 when Betty was born. Okay. All right? That makes Betty's mom 68. Yes. Okay? That means Betty's mom was born in 1931. 1931, Just yes. for the sake of my argument here, mm -hmm. right? And let's say Betty's mom's mom, the grandma... 
was 25 when she had Betty's mom. Close. Sure. All right. That means Betty's grandma was born in 1906. Okay. All right. Uh, back then, I think you had, you had to be 21 to vote. Right? It's 18 is kind of a recent phenomenon. Right. right. All right. Let's say you had to be 21 to vote. That means that Betty's grandma could uh, was 21, let's see, 21, in 1927, right? Okay. Betty's grandma was 21, does that make sense? In 19, right. Yeah. Because you're saying she would have been 25 and that would have been around 1931, so you're subtracting a couple of years. Okay. The 19th Amendment was ratified in 1920. So Betty McCollum's grandmother, she could vote. That's a small thing, and right. don't mean to be a nitpicker, but as as long as this is what Betty has in mind as her idea of public service, just another lefty who goes out there and thinks it's important that a woman gets elected rather than what possibly that particular woman can bring to the table, let's set the math straight. Right, exactly. Hey, Betty, your grandma could vote. If I if my ages are I mean there's even room in my math for error. Mm-hmm. A couple years either way. Right. You know, Grandma could vote. The facts are Betty's forty three. Give her mom uh, an age of twenty five. Give a grandma an age of twenty five upon the birth of mom, and you've got a voting grandmother. And it's more than likely that they were less than twenty five. I don't know that. Huh. Isn't this amazing? Here's a guy that wants to tell me my math is wrong. All right. Well, that doesn't surprise you that your math is wrong. Well, that's why I asked I liked... you. Didn't I ask you to help me? <laughs> yes, but sometimes when I get panicked. Curtis? Joe, hi. How are you? Well, what did I do wrong? Well, I, I like I, I told your screener, I, I'm not saying that you were wrong necessarily, but I, I, think, you, I think you missed it by a little bit. And, and let, me, let me explain it like this. The uh, ratification was in uh, 1921, correct? No, 1920. Ni- excuse me, 1920. 19th oh. Amendment. Okay, so now that was 81 years ago, yes? Uh, yes. Okay, now if Grandma was able to vote, she would have to have been at least 21 then. Right. So if that was 81 years ago, assuming Grandma is alive and kicking today, that makes Grandma 81 plus 21 or 102 years old today. Yeah. Now your extrapolation on how old Mom is and how old Grandma is, puts grandma 50 years older than the woman you're speaking of mm-hmm. and she's what did you say 43 43 okay so if we say using your extrapolation grandma's 50 years older than that that makes her 93 right and we just decided that in order for her to have been able to vote she would have had to have been 101 mm-hmm. okay How so, you're I... only, so there's so there's an eight-year difference in there and all i'm saying is it's possible that mom was 31 and grandma was 31 and that gives you an extra 12 years and that makes grandma old enough to have been able to vote prior to when the ratification was passed so it's possible grandma was around and she old enough to vote but not able to because she was a woman all right thank you thank you how could i screw it up that bad no you know what it's i mean it's embarrassing Well, that's funny. I'm glad you people are amused. I don't think it's... I want to do it once more. Okay. And, I, uh, and I'll pay more attention this time. Betty McCollum is 43 years old. She's 43. That means she was born, let's say, in 1958. Is that right? right? Am I right so far? Uh, 
It's the year 2000. It's 2001. 2001. Let's just give me... Ni- is ni- <laughs> that would mean she was born in, let's say... 19- Kelly, I'm not taking any more math calls. I'm going to figure this out right now, and then that's it. Betty McCollum is 43. Yep. Let's do it this way. Yep. She would have been 57 or 58, whatever it is. Let's just say 1958. She I'll was be born. glad. I'll be glad, Matt, to say... 1957. Okay. All right. Let's say in 1957, Betty's mom was 25. Okay, 25 years of age. Don't you subtract 25 from 1957? Right, you would say And you get 1932. 1932. Right? Okay. All right. Let's say Grandma was 25. Yep. Don't you subtract 25 from 1932? Yep. And you get 1907. Yep. Am seven. I correct? I'm doing the math as you speak. So we've got Betty's here, her mom 25, Graham Graham 25 mm-hmm. years of age. Doesn't that put Grandma's birth at 1907? In my book, yes. In 1907. Would, but that guy's right. You, which would make. I her wasn't worried about how old Grandma was. That wasn't part of my. Uh, but we have to. Okay, here's what here's what we were missing. Is at what point was Graham Graham twenty one or does eighteen? It, doesn't this tell you if this Grandma t- was born in nineteen oh seven? Yep. Add eighteen, and that would have to be nineteen twenty five. Was when she was able to vote. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay, so Grandma could not vote uh, in nineteen. 19- 20, because she wouldn't have been 21 yet, but people could vote then? <laughs> God. Yeah, that's right. That's what we're missing. It would be great if we had their actual ages, but she was born, let's just say on an average, she was born in 1907, so we need to add her 18 years or 21 years or whatever it is. If we had 18 years, that would have been 1925, and she would have been allowed to vote. So right. possibly she was older. My initial point. Right was to have a bit of fun with Betty, right. who's seemingly her principal the dynamic of her excitement at being elected is to reflect and say, just think, when my grandma was born, she couldn't vote. Mm-hmm. Well, error number one, of course, is that's just a fouled-up semantics. No one can be vote when they're born. But we know what she meant. Boy, back when my grandma was a young woman, she couldn't vote. Right. Not what I think we've demonstrated is quite possibly Betty's grandmother could have voted. Mm-hmm. And I stand by my math mm-hmm. for a change. How do you like that? <laughs> right. Huh? I think I like okay. it. Okay. Let's go. Maybe it's time I should be a little more confident in my math <laughs> and quit being the butt of these math jokes. All well, right? maybe you can ask her when she pays you a visit in a couple of years to your home to ask you for your vote. Uh, she'll probably say again, but for the first time. Well, she ain't getting it then, and she didn't get it now. <laughs> All right. But God bless her and good luck to her. Right. Proving why he should never, ever, ever do math on the air again. I'm sure he'll continue to uh, dive into the deep, shark-infested math waters. But as you can see, uh, he once again failed, although he had pretty darn good intentions. We'll, maybe we'll cut him some slack on this one. 
30 Years of Garage Logic is brought to you by North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. To learn more, go to nabankco.com. Join us all summer long as we look back at 30 years of GL memories. Are we done with ads? Are we done yet? Yes. <laughs> I lost my hat. Where's the, where's the hat one? Joe, hail the flashlight king. Hail hey, you. you. I've been listening since the beginning of the show on AM 1500, currently in Richmond, Virginia, enjoying the podcast in the garage. The log splitter issue has got me wondering about your knack. I'm even wondering about the knack of Harry Moron number 2 that claims to be a redneck country boy. Mm-hmm. The other morons get a pass. They probably buy their firewood at, firewood at Quick Trip. Yep. <laughs> I, too, got sucked it. into the log splitter, and after a couple of tries with it, here's what you have to do. First, go back to Fratelloni's and get a short-handle heavy mallet so that you can hold the log when you hit it. That's what I did. I got a sh- It's a short-handle four-pounder. All right. So there, I'm on top of that one. <laughs> Second, you need to attach the splitter to a heavy chunk of wood to stabilize it. I use a big chunk of oak. Moron number two should be able to get you a nice big log. Works great. Good luck, Jerry Aubin. I don't know what he means by that. The, it's a big, heavy cast iron piece. You put it on yeah. a cement, and it just stabilizes itself. Okay. But it has holes in it to, that you could anchor it. You could anchor so, it to something. wait a minute. Are you bending over doing all this? Or are you sitting down? No, I stand up. But you're bent over if you're putting yeah. it on the ground. Yeah. Well, I think the very kind gentleman who wrote that lovely email, uh, I think he's right. You should mount it on a big log. Oh, I get it. Oh, I get do it. Do you? But, yeah. but do you? Yeah. Okay. But but no, the 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 only problem I'm having is that, that on the commercial that suckered me into buying the thing, the wood has been dried on the planet of Mars. There's no <laughs> There's no moisture in the wood they're splitting. And I'm trying to split hunks of birch from a big limb that was just taken down two weeks ago, okay. three weeks ago, a live limb. So therefore, it, that it's still fresh. My old man was such a sucker for those kind of things at the state fair. He would have to make multiple trips back to the vehicle oh, yeah. with the crap, the chamois and the waxes <laughs> and all the magic nonsense that people would be peddling. Oh, I love to buy the magic f- uh, formulas. Yeah. Uh, ointments and unguents yeah, and salves. And, yeah. you, know, you know what level yeah. Joe's almost at? He's almost at that level where you call him. And you pretend to be the grandkid, and you're in jail, and you need to say he needs to send you five thousand dollars immediately so you can get out of trouble. He's almost not quite yet, but almost at that point. I think you tried that once, and I came through. <laughs> Kid's still in jail, yes. Only because they come to us from a new location from the traveling Lymans, they are now in Honningsvag, North Cape, Norway. Wow, they're on the move. WorldwideWaftage.com. On this day... Joe, today is August 10th. On this day in 1853, the Chicago Landverine, or Land Society, 
which eventually established the town of New Ulm, was formed by a group of German immigrants. At first, lawyers and preachers were banned from membership. Ah. Mm-hmm. On this day in 1857, August 10th. the first edition of the Prison Mirror, the newspaper of the state penitentiary, was published. It inspired the creation of similar publications at other state institutions. And finally, on this day... Joe, today is August 10th. In 1909... Mail carrier John Beargrass died. He was born in 1858, the son of an Ojibwe leader and a white woman. Beargrease grew up in Beaver Bay and delivered mail along the north shore of Lake Superior from 1887 to 1904, his route being a route being two harbors to Grand Marais. On open water, the trip took him three days by rowboat, and in the winter, he used a dog sled. And now you have the John Bear Grease dog sled race that I bet is named for this guy. Uh, uh, I, <laughs> I just bet that. you it is. I, I would bet. I would bet the house on that. Yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb there. <laughs> it's named for John Bear Grease. What a neat name. That is a cool name. Thank you, GLers. Does advertising on Garage Logic work? Listen to what Pete Arnold from HirePro has to say. My results advertising with Garage Logic have been absolutely outstanding. Gellers understand my business and what we do and how Joe vets anyone that advertises on here. That level of validation and trust has helped me with a 6 to 1 ROI for my commercial spend. This group is amazing and using Garage Logic for your company's advertising will generate results. If you'd like to get results for your business, visit garagelogic.com and enter keyword partner. That's garagelogic.com keyword partner. GLers, for those of you that already went to the uh, YouTube Garage Logic site and subscribed, I bet you're having a thrilling time watching those videos. If you haven't done it already, go to YouTube and subscribe to Garage Logic and then be entertained. I do think we're close to being sold out, um, but if you want, you can check to see if there's any tickets left for Monday night at the Chanhassen Dinner Theater. Uh, meal starts at 5.30, show starts at 7 th- 7.30, and uh, 40 bucks gets you into the door. How many th- how many hits did the, twins, uh, the Tigers have last night? 17. 17? Yeah. <laughs> Let's break it down. Sports yeah. Talk is next. Go to garagelogic.com. I'm here. Sign up for the town council. Oh, it's not hey, next. Matt. It's yes, not sir. next. Blue paint. Yes. I'll give you 20 good minutes. How about a good shot? It is time once again that we pick up that phone and we make that call to our guy, Mr. Money Talk. Josh Arnold is on the line with us once again here in Garage Logic. And now's the time for you to do the same. So do not delay. Pick up the phone and do what I did. Dial 952-925-5608. That number once again is 952-925-5608. You call that number, you get Josh. And you will always get straight talk. You will never get sugar-coated advice. And Josh is with us once again. And Josh, today... You would like to talk about macro and micro. The big and the little. The big stuff that some analysts, strategists look at that they believe will have an effect on the stock market or bond market in general. The micro, what's happening with individual companies or individual bonds. The macro, the news that many traders and strategists have been waiting for. The CPI, Consumer Price Index, numbers coming out for the month of July. It was 
anticipated that the inflation number would come in at 3.3%. Ta-da! Number came in at 3.2% as the uh, core number. And over the last three months, the headline number came in well below that and even below the Fed's target number of 2% inflation. So the Fed can take a victory lap on that. Well, it's not quite a full victory lap, at least a partial victory lap. Additionally, today's weekly jobless claims showed an increase in jobless claims, not a decrease. Now, these are weekly numbers that can be debated. Nonetheless, Fed speakers, uh, at least this week, former Fed governors and others speaking about the Fed have continued to emphasize, and even the Fed has jawboned in their last meeting, it's all about the data. It's all about the data in terms of how they're going to react with whether or not they're going to raise interest rates. Now, despite the data, the Fed is probably going to increase interest rates at least once more this year. And I said probably. The emphasis is on probably, not definitely, probably raise interest rates at least another 25 basis points once more before the year is out. They're going to continue to maintain their higher for longer stance. And as son number two has said, dad, higher interest rates right now are indicative of a strong not a weak economy. The Fed is going to continue, however, to worry about wage inflation. Our Ponhars, and they believe that by raising interest rates, that will not only bring down employment or push up unemployment, and that will stabilize and or bring down wages. Well, again, with the number of PhDs that the Fed has, I kind of question whether they read a newspaper, watch the news, or even follow any of numerous publicly traded companies. I'm guessing they did not see that UPS just settled a strike with their driver's union. After five years, drivers are going to be earning about $170,000. I'm sure they didn't see the headline about airlines and the increase that pilots are making. And guess what? They'll have a potential strike coming with United Auto Workers against the major auto companies. And we're not even talking about some of the government workers' unions that keep demanding higher wages, nor are we talking about uh, what's going on right now in Los Angeles with government workers there threatening a strike unless they get higher wages. Well, I don't know what the higher interest rates are going to do with those contracts, but higher wages are there and we might be stuck with higher interest rates a lot longer because of that. But as I've said uh, previously, better that people are working and earning money. Unemployment sucks. As to recession, very difficult to go into a recession when unemployment numbers are still low. As to the micro, Disney reported their, their numbers last night. Very, very mixed quarter. And the big thing with Disney and would definitely give me pause to want to invest in the company. I am not a, a shareholder in Disney and Disney is one of many stocks that I'll put on the avoid table right now. Disney did beat on the on the bottom line. Boss cuts seem to be working. Attendance at international theme parks was up. Attendance at U.S. theme parks was down. Yes, prices are a little bit too high, among other reasons. Movie success, nah, really not there. And streaming, which is an area that Disney has really been counting on, has seen a loss in the number of streaming 
subscribers and a fairly big loss at that. Bob Iger's CEO's response, raise prices, raise monthly prices for your streaming subscription and cut back on password sharing. Oh, let's see now. We're losing subscribers and we're going to raise prices on the remaining subscribers, but we may or may not give them more content. Oh, now that's a real bargain. Oh, thank you very much. In the meantime, they're also looking for help with their ESPN unit. And speaking of their ESPN units, they cut a deal with Penn Gaming, where Penn Gaming is going to partner with ESPN to produce a uh, site called ESPN Bet, available or will be available in 16 legalized states sometime this fall. Penn Gaming initially took a jump on the news, but has since retreated back. Penn, is, Penn Gaming is going to pay $150 million over the next 10 years to ESPN for rights to use the name and access to ESPN drivers. Meantime, Penn is jettisoning, now that's the right word, jettisoning their Barstool Sports subsidiary, which they bought from David Portnoy for about $400 million, give or take. They're selling it back to Portnoy for a buck. Although, should Portnoy take Barstool Sports Public, Penn Gaming would get a 50% of that profit. Meantime, Penn, which had been a favorite of mine, I say had been, may not have the technology at this point to integrate ESPN Bet and be able to compete with the likes of FanDuel and favorite DraftKings. It's a tough fate sports betting, highly, highly competitive. And right now, the leaders are FanDuel, DraftKings, Caesars, and MGM. Very good advice, Mr. Money Talk. You heard him, GLers. Now's the time for you to pick up the phone and make the call for that free 48-minute financial consultation by dialing 952-925-5608, where you're always going to get straight talk and never, ever sugar-coated advice. Josh, as always, thank you so much for the time and the chat. Have a great rest of your day, a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again next week. Look forward to it. Thanks. Investment services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a security investment advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. All comments and opinions are Josh Arnold's and do not constitute investment advice. Chris Reavers is a paid endorser.